What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. As promised, Matt and I are kicking off our NFL coverage today with the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL for 2022. We did our list individually and came up with a composite list this year. So we're going to go through the composite list, how it compares to our rankings, where we agree, where we disagree. And then at the end, we're going to give you a couple names that could pop onto this list during the year or by the end of the year. If you cannot get enough NFL coverage, go check out our friends at The Greatest Games Never Played. I recently recorded a podcast with them where we redrafted the wide receivers from the 2019 NFL draft class. Many of you may remember that that draft is where my favorite team, the New England Patriots, took Nikhil Harry over the likes of Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, and many more. Uh, So I had a lot to say, a lot of opinions, but super fun podcast over at Greatest Games Never Played. Please go give them a listen. We will share the episode that I was on. Should be out today by the time that you listen to this. So, uh, But for now, Matt and I are ready to do this. This uh, quarterback podcast is one that pisses off probably every fan base <laughs> somehow, except for whoever we have at number one. So uh, we're looking forward to it. Let's go. I am back with Matt and Matt. This is the first time we've been on a podcast with just the two of us in quite some time. Yeah, it's it's a little awkward. Now we have to like actually talk directly to each other. I kind of miss Devin, uh, but we are back to do the NFL top ten quarterbacks of 2022. A podcast that will inevitably piss off every fan base except for one. It's really just going to be whoever we have as number one on our list will be happy with us and the rest of the fan bases will be disappointed and we will get dragged on Twitter for our opinions, but that's okay. We're going to put it out there anyway. When we were putting this list together, typically the way that Matt and I do list podcast is that we text back and forth and we fight for days on end about who should go where and what order things should be in. As we've gotten older, we don't have time for that anymore. So really what we did this time is we both came up with our own list of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. Uh, We put them into like a weighted average kind of composite spreadsheet. And that's the list we're going to go off of to start this season. Uh, This is a list that Matt and I maintain throughout the season and make changes to as the game kind of evolves. And as we see people start taking the next step forward. So this is not the final list for who the best quarterbacks in 2022 will be. These are our current rankings uh, about seven weeks before the season. And we will update them probably at the quarter mark, the halfway mark, and then right before the postseason. So uh, before we start going through the actual list, you have any thoughts on like how you develop your list or kind of like what the criteria you're looking for are? Yeah. So obviously there's, there's a certain amount taken into account for what you've accomplished, you know, wins, playoffs, stats. Primarily for me, it is what can you do on the field physically and the kind of intangible stuff because as a quarterback, if you don't have that, the wins aren't really going to stack up on a 
grander scale. Maybe you get hot one postseason like Joe Flacco and you get your one Super Bowl, but then after that in the playoffs, not so much. But like you look at the greatest of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and one of their main attributes is leadership. That was a good call. And it's the, those are the things that are hard to measure. And it's kind of yep. why you do a list like this. Cause if we're just going off statistics, we could just pull up, you know, who were the top 10 quarterbacks in terms of passing yards and passing touchdowns last season and make the list that way. But yeah. the, the good thing about these lists is that you get to put some like heuristics into it, kind of like your gut feel, how mm-hmm. you feel about these guys, how confident you are in them. Yeah. When I did my list, I, I start by breaking it out into tiers. And I'll, I'll go through what the tiers are as we go through this list, but I, I break it out into tiers and then I break guys down within the tiers. And it's funny because we kind of, we have similar yet different approaches to how we put our list together and our list were like not that far off from each no. other's. So, uh, not as fun from a debate perspective, but lets me know that I'm on the right track when Matt and I are looking at the same things because we kind of value things differently. Sometimes I, I'm more, uh, I think statistically inclined where Matt is, uh, more of like a gut feel heuristics type of person, like more of some of the intangible stuff, but sometimes those things line up with each other. And I think that's kind of what we saw on the composite list. And the really difficult thing to find a balance on because I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it more in depth later, but like. You know, a few years ago, a lot of that shine had worn off Aaron Rodgers. And then he started putting up MVP seasons. And it's like, okay, how much do we weigh that? How much do we factor in the fact that he had the best wide receiver in the entire NFL having borderline historic seasons? Um, It's a really hard thing to balance. It is. But without further ado, let's get to the first name on the list. Uh, a guy that we both had number one, and that is Bill's quarterback, Josh Allen. Was this a like easy decision for you to have him number one? Yeah. I mean, I think it took me less than five minutes to settle on that. I kind of tried to talk myself into a couple of other guys, but when you really break it down, like there has been, no evidence that and of anything other than the fact that his entire locker room loves him. So he's got the leadership. Another really important intangible is clutch performances. And holy hell, did he put up a playoff performance this past postseason? Literally only got eliminated by a coin flip. And then we got to look at what he does on the field. And from an X's and O's standpoint, I just, I don't know how you game plan for that. He has the kind of arm that is only rivaled by guys like Mahomes and Stafford and like maybe a couple of the young guys that haven't really put it together yet. He's got, you know, speed as a runner, but he's also just like a Mack truck. Like that, that's a whole other thing to deal with. 
when you're talking about the running game, but also you have to worry about their quarterback running over your linebackers. <laughs> yeah, trust me. I, I have experienced that firsthand being a Patriots fan and watching my team try to guard Josh Allen last year. Yeah. So like I mentioned, when I'm going through my list, I do it in tiers and tier one for me is guys who are elite in the regular season and elite in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Like really like the best quarterbacks who I know can also get it done in the postseason. And Josh Allen was actually not the first person that came to mind when I did that tier. Like I said, I have him number one overall, but the first guys that came to mind when I did that tier were really Tom Brady, who led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns last year and has seven Super Bowls to his name. And Matt Stafford, first season with a legitimate team, wins the Super Bowl and has one of the best playoff runs we've ever seen. Guys, I know who are going to be elite in the regular season, elite in the postseason. But you kind of hit the nail on the head there is that Josh Allen, extremely elite regular season numbers. And then the postseason last year was a completely different animal. Uh, I watched him grill my team, the New England Patriots, to the tune of four touchdowns uh, or five touchdowns. But he, between his two games in the postseason last year, he completed 77.4% of his passes for nine touchdowns and no picks. And I'm pretty convinced that the only reason that the Bills didn't win the Super Bowl last year is one, because of a coin flip, and two, and more importantly, his defense just let him down. Yeah. He took the lead in that game in Kansas City with 13 seconds left, and his defense just let Mahomes go right down the field. So there's definitely some areas of improvement for that team, but Josh Allen was not the reason they lost that game at all. He was phenomenal and both, both postseason games. So I have complete confidence in his ability to get it done in the postseason. We know he plays well. It's just the, yeah. he needs the crowning achievement. He needs to win a Super Bowl uh, like some of these other guys have. You know, Tredavious White is an incredible defensive player. And anytime you're playing without a player of that caliber, winning playoff games, especially, you know, against really good offenses, it's incredibly difficult. And for him to go toe-to-toe with Mahomes and, again, literally only lose because of a coin flip, that is incredible. And also his tweet a week later that just said pain is like top 10 tweet all time. Equally incredible. Yeah. We, we talked about that when Tredavious white tore his ACL last year Yeah, as well, that like, that was going to be a huge loss for them and it was going to show up in the postseason more than anything. Yeah. So, um, we'll see what, you know, we'll get into our division breakdowns and we'll talk more about the bills roster as a whole. But for now, I think number one quarterback in the NFL, I think even though he wasn't the first person I put in this tier, once I had my tier completed, Uh, When I started organizing it, I think it was a pretty easy decision after that. It's easy to look at this and say, like, okay, well, this is a knee-jerk reaction, but he has been playing at this level for, like, two or three years now. And the only reason it looked like he was playing at a higher level this past year was because he just had more support around him on the offensive side. Like we 
this past year, you know, saw some chinks in the armor with, you know, Brady and Mahomes. Actually, I I can't really think of a great argument as to why he isn't number one. Yeah, I guess you could look at the Jacksonville game in the regular season and you could look at his turnover numbers. He, uh, he has some more fumbles than some of the other qu- quarterbacks on this list to go along with like a similar number of interceptions, but he also runs the ball a lot more. So kind of an unfair comparison, but yeah. So I, I think pretty easily the number one going into this season, but honestly, like when we're in this tier, we're kind of splitting hairs and Matt and I split very fine hairs coming up with the next couple of guys on this list. So we had the same top five, which is my tier of elite regular season, elite postseason quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And the five guys in order on our list, this is also, you know, my tier was arranged differently from this, but Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Matt Stafford, Joe Burrow. Those are my five guys right now where if I'm riding into the season, I'm saying, okay, they're going to have an elite regular season. They're going to be extremely good in the postseason. I don't have to worry about them. <clears throat> the way we ordered them was different. Both had Josh Allen at one. You had Patrick Mahomes at two. I had Tom Brady. Yeah. <clears throat> and I guess I'll, I'll tell you why. I don't know. With Patrick Mahomes last year, it was there was just something missing. We, we talked ad nauseum for last year, as did many talking heads about mm-hmm. the just questionable decisions the inability to be patient and take what the defense is giving him that was really harming his team last season. And I just can't get the second half of that Bengals playoff game out of my head. He was so phenomenal in the playoffs all the way up to the end of the first half of that game in Kansas city. And then he was so bad in the second half. It just didn't make any sense. Like I was waiting for the story of Patrick Mahomes was concussed or Patrick Mahomes was injured to come out. So that's why I knocked him down a peg. But Mm -hmm. I will also concede that when things are right for Patrick Mahomes, I think that he's the number one quarterback on this list. We definitely uh, came down on him pretty hard last year and reasonably so. That's my concern is that he deserved it. Right. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, I'm looking at it and the other side of that coin is that when he's right, he's arguably number one on this list. You know, we talked about last season with Stafford, like sometimes, honestly, the turnovers don't matter if when you get the ball back, you are potent enough to completely negate that. If you go out and score three touchdowns after you threw a pick, you know what? That's a net positive. I look at this and I look at how obviously competitive he is. I can't look at this and think, yeah, he's not going to take a lesson from this season. He was humbled. Whether he will admit it or not, he was humbled this past season because he has never played that bad for such an extended period of time. He has never struggled against one team and then gone up against them in the playoffs and then get knocked around by him, by them again. He quite frankly got embarrassed. (laughs) And I think that that is going to force him to look in the mirror 
and refine things. And there's a certain amount of projection there for me, but I don't think it's crazy to project that with someone who has already been this incredible. That's fair. I think that this season is like, he is going to be one of the biggest storylines of the season, not only because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, but this is his first season without Tyreek Hill in Kansas city, the weapons around him, while the depth is much better, the high end talent is not where it used to be. Uh, and as much as I love Sky Moore, Western Michigan alumni, so they got rookie Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, McCall Hardman, you know, a lot of like a lot of guys who it takes some projection to say that they're going to be elite weapons this year. Yeah. Along with Travis Kelsey, Travis is, you know, Travis is still there and he will be very, very good. But you yeah, don't I mean, have that like one big burner guy like you do in Tyreek Hill. You don't have that like elite, elite wide receiver. Um, yeah, I mean, other other than Kelsey, you can't say that they have an elite weapon there. Uh, they, they, you're out of your mind if you're saying that any of them are elite weapons. Um, whether or not Sky Moore can develop into that over the next couple of years is a totally different story. But like, we have nothing to say. Like, yeah, he's going to be that this year. What I will say is that. They know the roster that they have this offseason. And he knows the mistakes that he made this past season. And I think it's going to force him to learn to play quarterback better and not just be a thrower. And if he learns that, good God, those, every battle with Josh Allen is going to be like that exact same game. You read my mind because I was going to say like maybe his stats aren't as gaudy this year with a little bit more of a balanced offense Mm -hmm. with some of the running backs they have. And, you know, some of these guys are not going to be the, but could he be a little bit better as a quarterback? Could, you know, at times last year, was he just like, you know, oh, Tyreek's down there somewhere or like, I'm going to wait for Tyreek or like, I, you know, I'm holding on to the ball a little bit more because of Tyreek. And can he maybe play a little bit more in Andy Reid's in Andy Reid's offense instead of off schedule, which like some of the best stuff he does is the off schedule stuff. Yep. But can he be a little bit more a piece of the offense and maybe the offense can be a little bit better without Tyreek Hill. Super interesting year coming up for Mahomes, who came in at number two on our list. Number three in the composite rankings uh, did end up being the goat Tom Brady. Yeah. I, I had him over Mahomes just because I am still of the mind that if I am trying to win a Super Bowl this year and I can have any quarterback in the league, I'm still taking Tom Brady. I know he's 43. I know you can throw all these things at me. I'm taking Tom Brady until he's not Tom Brady anymore. And he was Tom Brady last season. He led the league in passing yards, led the league in passing touchdowns. They lost to the Rams in the second round of the playoffs. But they were down 27 to three. Yeah. And he's like the only quarterback in the league who just still has that aura of like, it is 27 to three, but the other team has Tom Brady. I, I don't necessarily feel that way in every game with a Josh Allen or a Patrick Mahomes. Like, can they lead their teams back from big deficits? Yes. 
But when I am in the playoffs and I am down 25, 24, 21, the person I am most terrified to see on the other side is still Tom Brady. And he brought them all the way back to tie that game only for his defense to give up a bomb to Cooper cup uh, on a fantastic play by Matt Stafford, who we'll get here. We'll get to in just a minute here, but he could have had that game to do that still at this age to like have the gaudy statistics in the regular season to have the aura of it's Tom fucking Brady. I, I still have him at number two right now. I was very close to putting him number one, (laughs) trying my best not to be too biased, but, uh, that's why, that's why I had him in front of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we say this with basketball, a lot, but sometimes you just have Tom Brady. Um, I had him at four, and we'll get into those reasons next. Uh, but I mean, like we said, like we're really splitting hairs between these five guys. Like to do what he has done at age 43 <laughs> is absolute lunacy. I think that there is just an element of when he's on the field of just like, he's not even human. Like you're, it's like, okay, what is he going to do next? Or every victory that you get on every play, it's like, it's not enough because you've seen what he's done in the past. And the fact that he's playing better at 43 than he was at 33, it, baffles the mind and it's hard for players who grew up watching him to go out there and play against that that's what i'm saying is it's just it's like the aura that he has of like oh god damn it they have tom brady like yeah you know and you feel that way when you play josh allen or patrick mahomes but like i'm just more scared of brady in the playoffs than i am of any other player in any other sport in, in the history of man I'm more afraid of Brady on the other side of the ball in a football game than I am with a Steph Curry in basketball or a LeBron James or a Connor McDavid in hockey. Like the only player that's comparable is Michael Jordan. Yeah. Throughout sports history. Uh, If I can promise you guys anything, I will promise you that I will be late on the Brady is declining take. (laughs) (laughs) That'll... That this podcast will be late on that because I will just until he's not Tom Brady anymore, he will be Tom Brady to me. That's all I have to say about it is he's he's still Tom Brady, so I can't have him too low on the list. But um, you had Stafford third and Tom Brady fourth. Yeah. So why, why don't you tell us why you put Stafford above him? Besides the fact that you're a lifelong Detroit Lions fan, most of that. There's an element with Stafford that kind of gets brushed off a lot it's just that fourth quarter magic that he has on a level that i can honestly say no other player has even tom brady like uh, tom is the goat unequivocally but no quarterback i have ever watched has put up more insane fourth quarters than Matthew Stafford. They got buried for 12 years in Detroit because it was Detroit. 
And a lot of times when he made huge comebacks, they would still lose because he would take the lead and then the defense would give it up immediately. He gets one year in LA and like he's number one all regular season and every stat that matters in terms of fourth quarter passing, despite the 17 interceptions, which is why I say sometimes the turnovers don't matter because if you go turn it around and make up for it later, that's a net positive. You know, the question about him was always, okay, well, what's it going to do in the playoffs? Well, they go to the playoffs and he does the, the exact same thing. Like no other quarterback was in the same stratosphere as him in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. Honestly, better in the playoffs. Yeah. So I had him fourth, mm-hmm. but like we said, we're splitting hairs. Like I would right. not argue putting Stafford uh, first on this list after what we saw last season. Like, I think that tends to be kind of the overreaction, especially when we do right. the basketball list. It's like whoever the finals MVP was like, that's the guy yeah. who's going to be number one on the list next season. Right. But like the whole playoff run, completing 70% of his passes for nine touchdowns, three picks. And that doesn't even tell the full story of like every time they needed a play or a drive or, yep. you know, whatever it was. I know Cooper cup was on the receiving end, but it was a lot of Matt Stafford, you know, yeah. the, the Buccaneers play that I just mentioned, having that huge bomb to cup to set up the game winning field goal, the yeah. game winning touchdown drive in the super bowl. And I know people will look at that and say that Matt Stafford was not the super bowl MVP. Uh, but I would counter and tell you that Matt Stafford was the playoff MVP. Yeah. It's more important. Like the thing I hate about Super Bowl MVP is that it's just one game and doesn't tell the whole story of like the playoff run. And I know that Cooper Cup had an amazing playoff run too. I am not discrediting Mm -hmm. him, but I really thought that like a lot of that started and ended with Matt Stafford. We bring up narratives here a lot too. And, you know, he, he gets traded to LA and like, yeah, sure. He's, He's in LA. He's got these great weapons. Uh, Cooper Cup's having a great year. Um, I think it's also kind of gets lost that, yeah, like Cooper Cup was amazing and deserves all the credit in the world for it. But we should also consider the fact that the top two receiving yard seasons all time have been manned by the same quarterback, who is Matthew Stafford. But yeah, so he gets to LA. They're killing it. And Robert Woods goes down. And that's kind of a big problem. So they go out and they get OBJ. And, you know, they, okay, that that seems to fix the issue. But then in the Super Bowl, OBJ goes down. It doesn't matter. Like Stafford still picks it up and goes like, at a certain point, you have to just look at the guy who continues to overcome the problems that are put in front of him and say, yeah, like, that is the guy that I want to ride and die with. Even before the season started, they lost Cam Akers to an Achilles tear. Yep. So and it started even before the first snap. The, the last major thing for me with him is, you know, everyone – has kind of heard like how great of a leader he is and all that. But 
for me, what stands out about him different from the vast majority of quarterbacks, and I'm not saying he's the only one, you know, he plays with players and they love him while he's there. And then those players don't play with him anymore. And then they still take to social media and they're like, that's my guy. So few guys have that. And like, it's like unprompted stuff too. Like you don't see that with very many other players. There's something to cultivating that kind of love and brotherhood between your teammates that translates to really difficult moments on the field. Yeah. So like I said, I wouldn't fight too hard on the order of these top four guys. Um, like I said, you had Allen Mahomes, Stafford, Brady. I had Allen Brady, Mahomes, Stafford. The composite list has Allen Mahomes, Brady, Stafford, which is probably correct in a way, but also, you know, the thing about the composite list is that instead of one of us having to be pissed off, we just both get to be pissed off because neither of us <laughs> agree with it. So, yeah. uh, I mean, it's probably, it's probably right in a way. I feel good about those yeah. top four in some order. Yeah, I won't really argue with any of it. I, like we said, splitting hairs, as long as, you know, those are the top four with Allen being number one, I'm really not going to complain about what the list looks like. Yeah. Our, our fifth guy is the last guy in my first tier of elite regular season, elite postseason. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's very young and we're going to need to see more of it before he moves up this list. Uh, and that's Joe Burrow. Joe has a lot of the intangible stuff we talked about with these other guys. He's starting to have that Tom Brady, like, you know, whatever's going on, it's okay. We got Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. He has the Matt Stafford, everybody on everybody that's ever played with him fucking loves him. Yep. I honestly, when, when I was making my list, I put together this first tier of these five guys, the four guys we talked about in Burrow. And part of me was like, can I make a good enough argument to put Joe Burrow first? I fought, I wrestled with it because I want to have Joe Burrow higher on this list so badly. (laughs) I guarantee he'll be higher on this list by the end of the season. I promise you guys that. Almost certainly. I wanted to do it now because like we mentioned, all the intangible stuff, all the statistics. He was phenomenal last season. He was the most accurate quarterback in the league from a completion percentage standpoint, as well as the advanced stat on target throws versus off target throws. He was number one in both of those categories. And he did all of this while his front office and coaching staff was actively trying to assassinate him on a week to week basis. Yep. He got sacked 17 times in the playoffs. And still almost won the Super Bowl. That's insane. He won a playoff game on the road where he got sacked nine times. Yeah. Just to get up after getting sacked nine times in an NFL game is phenomenal. To beat the number one seed on the road in their house is insane to me. And then to go the next week, you get a week off from getting your ass kicked and you play Kansas city and you have this phenomenal win against Patrick Mahomes. Like the dude's stock is ascending. I wanted, I wanted to put him number one. I wanted him up this list so bad. It's just that 
he was phenomenal last season. I just need, I want to see more of it. And I think we're going to get more of it in seven weeks. I watch him and he literally is just young Stafford with a better team around him. He still doesn't have the offensive line, but, and honestly, the fact that he only got sacked 17 times, having watched every one of those games is a credit to him. That doesn't, the 17 sacks is not so many more. It could have been over 25. Yeah. That does not consider the pressure rate and the like Harold Landry, like sacked him, I think in less than three seconds on a play. It was like, it was like 3.4 seconds, maybe from the ball being snapped to Harold Landry sacking him. It's just insanity. Which is not something you want. No. So they improved the offensive line. This offseason is much, is very, very Low difficult. Bar. Yeah. I was going to say it's very difficult for them to be worse than they were last year. So even with a slightly improved offensive line, just the weapons that he has around him, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, like it's going to be a scary offense again this year. Yeah. He's going to be at the helm. And I just, I want to see what happens when he gets back to the playoffs. Can he go on another run? Uh, Cause like you said, there have been numerous guys throughout history who have had the one run. Yep. You know, the one hot run, the two hot runs, something like that. I, I think Joe Burrow is going to be having deep runs for a very long time. Is something that we agree on. You remember my evaluation of him going into the draft. Like I, it was, it wasn't even that like he's just slam dunk number one pick. It's like, this is likely to be a guy who is going to be perennially top two quarterback in the league for the majority of his career because of those intangibles that we talk about. And because of his accuracy that he displayed in college. Like you talked about how, you know, his on-target percentage led the league last year. Well, that's exactly what he did at LSE. And it took him a year to adjust to the fastest and most violent professional sports league on the planet. And my only thing with him is I just want him to play more games. The reason I have these other guys above him is they have just seen more. It's a proven track record. Yeah. And with the other they, guys. They've, they've legitimately seen more of what defenses are going to throw at him so that they are better prepared to recognize and react. Eventually, he's you know going to have a couple games where he takes his lumps because of that. But he's Joey B. He's going to learn from all that and come out the better side, better for it. Joey, yeah. the The crazy thing is that, like at LSU, I know he was doing the accuracy thing at LSU and put up the crazy stats, the greatest college quarterback season we've ever seen in the history of college football it wasn't even close no not even close like no i'm like not even joking like statistically yeah. he broke every single record which uh zappy actually reset some of them this year but to do that while playing at lsu is insane going in the sec but like yeah. in college 
his team was way more talented than every other team they played, except for like maybe Alabama yeah. and Georgia. But like that particular LSU team on at least on offense is the most talented college team we've ever seen. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Randy Moss's yep. son. Like ridiculous. To also like not only adjust to the NFL, but to do it where at best the playing field is level. Like to do that behind the offensive line that he had in the NFL is just bonkers to me. And that's why I wanted to have him higher. It's just like you said, it's the it's the time, it's the track record. And as soon as we see him do more of it, he will move up this list. Yeah. And the last thing that I love about him that the four guys ahead of him all on this list have as well is not every quarterback has this, but swag. Like they, well, that too, but I guess like it's a form of swag. You know, we were talking about Cooper cup and some of those big plays. Like you see a guy, you know, it can be a big play, but that throw isn't easy. And it ain't, if it ain't just right, it's probably going the other way. All five of these guys, certainly not the least of which being Burrow, will pull that trigger with no hesitation. There's one guy I'm thinking about in particular lower on this list who does not have that, and it makes a difference. It does for sure. So the next part of this list, so that's the end of my tier one is those five guys, elite regular season, elite postseason. My next tier is a one-man tier. And I think it might be a little controversial the way that I have my tiers organized because I have tier one as elite regular season, elite postseason, tier two as elite regular season, no postseason experience, and then tier three as elite regular season, bad postseason And I think that some people would argue that tier three should be higher because at least those guys have made the playoffs. But I think we're going to see guy number six make the playoffs this year. And I'm confident in his ability to perform. I think like the lack of evidence that he would be bad kind of buoys him on my list because I know these other guys are going to let me down in the playoffs. I'm not sure about this guy, but I'm confident in him. Uh, Guy number six for both of us was Justin Herbert. Yeah. There's a lot of Josh Allen light to him. You know, he's he's got the huge arm. He's got the mobility. He's got the leadership. He's big, so he can run with power. Maybe not on the same level as Josh Allen, but it's very reminiscent. He's just not quite on that level. So Justin Herbert one of the best statistical two-year starts we've ever seen for a quarterback. It actually might be the best, might be the best ever. He's phenomenal. Um, you know, the, the stats that we can, we can throw all this stuff out with him, the physical stuff, the cannon arm, the leadership, he's got everything that you want in a quarterback. I just was like extremely disappointed that he lost that week 17 game to the Raiders, you know, I just, I know it's year two. It's like, I really wanted him to win that game and take his team to the playoffs last season. They end up nine and eight missing the playoffs by a game. Cause that was like the play in game. And we could have had Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow in the playoffs. 
and I don't think they would have played each other because the way seating would have worked out, but to have like both of them in their first playoffs together, watching them kind of go through these rounds side by side, compare and contrast, maybe playing some of the same teams would have been such a good data point because these guys are going to be compared to each other forever. So it would have been nice to see, but I was super disappointed. He lost that game. I, I fully expect them to be a playoff team and for him to be elite again this season. But what do we always say about the chargers on this podcast? Chargers going to charge. Chargers going to charge. So be really careful if you're going to pick the chargers to be in the Super Bowl this season. That's my advice to you. So, yeah. And I mean, they, but they did, they invested a ton of assets around him last off season. And again, this off season uh, on offense and they made the defense better, which was really their Achilles heel last season. So uh, excited to see them play tier three to me. And it's funny because we had these guys in the same order as well is elite regular season bad postseason, uh and that is guy seven is lamar jackson and guy eight is aaron Rodgers. extremely similar players like obviously not in play style not in a lot of ways but in the fact that they can put up mvp caliber stats in the regular season like we've seen these two win the last three mvps and they get to the postseason and it's a letdown and the reason I have Lamar higher than Aaron Rodgers, and I'll, I'll let you go off on why you have him higher than Aaron Rodgers, but yeah. the reason I have Lamar at seven and Aaron Rodgers at eight is because Rodgers has a longer track record of letting people down. Uh, and also just like the intangibles, the leadership stuff between the two of them. Uh, but I, I will warn Lamar with the money stuff that's coming out, uh, trying to get the yeah. new contract and stuff, just like it's a slippery slope, man. Don't go down it. He's not there yet to me, but like I need before I can move up, yeah. move Lamar up on this list. I need to see him be better when it really matters. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's, that's fair. I think that's precisely why he's here and not in that type, top five, because his greatest strength is something that terrifies every single defensive coordinator in a way that nobody else on this list can do. Uh, Not even Josh Allen. He changes the math in the running game in a way that really has never been done, not even by, by Michael Vick, because mostly because he wasn't used in the running game quite the same way. What he does to the running game is truly unique and has never really been done on this level before. And why I give him a bit more of a pass in the, while you haven't really gotten it done than you do with, you know, compared to Rodgers, is when you look at the scenarios that the the two have been playing in, Rodgers has had more support and probably has a lot more say in what that scenario is than we probably know about. And Lamar Jackson (laughs) has played his entire NFL career with 
probably some of the worst composite wide receiver rooms that any top 10 quarterback has ever played with, as well as the most befuddling offensive coordinator I have ever had the pleasure of watching because while he is an absolute wizard in the run game, he cannot structure a passing game whatsoever. And he cannot call a passing game at all. We've talked about this numerous times before. Like I think it is legitimately harming his development in that area because we know that he can throw and that he can throw accurately because, you know, he won an MVP doing that. And I think a lot, a lot of that has been out of his control. And I think if he had a more modern, more innovative offensive mind in control of that offense, it would help him out dramatically. Yeah, it's, it's all fair. It's just, and this is why he's at the top of this tier for me and not behind yeah. Aaron Rodgers but he's still in the tier of like, mm-hmm. when it matters, I'm disappointed. Right. And I just don't know what he's supposed to do in the playoffs when you don't have a guy that can win on the outside and they're going to put nine in the box. <laughs> yeah, so. no, no, I totally agree. And it's all fair. It's just like when we're splitting hairs like this and saying, yeah. you know, like, yeah, we can make all these excuses for him, but then who are no, you putting a, him above? It is exactly why he's here. Yeah, and it, the reasons why that is why he's here is also for me why he is at or seven instead of eight. Yeah, and then Rogers at eight. I, I think it's just self-explanatory. He he's won the last two MVPs. He's a great regular season quarterback. That's all well and good. He's horrible. He's been horrible in the playoffs. Another extremely disappointing befuddling loss to the 49ers at home last season. And he didn't play well. His team scored what? 10 points at home as the number one seed. And he's had Devontae Adams. I know that the other wide receivers outside of Adams have not been the highest caliber in the league, but like, it's not like a bunch of, bozos off the street like there it's been decent wide receiver rooms behind him you know he's he's kind of making his bones off of that one super bowl that he won and the fact that he's really really good in the regular season but you know when it when it counts where is he the stands for aaron Rodgers will talk about how he's you know unique all time in terms of his touchdown interception ratio I just look at that and I'm like, okay, but what has that actually done? Like come playoff time. How has that helped? If you wind up throwing the ball away or, you know, not getting the first down because you weren't willing to take that shot on a ball that is kind of dangerous, but it could be the big play because it might mess up your stats. That's my issue with him is that he, he doesn't play quarterback balls to the walls. He plays quarterback for himself is the way I feel. 
I feel like he plays more not to lose than he plays to win. Yeah. It's like, it's really safe. It's guarded. It's just, it's like his whole personality. It's safe. It's guarded. Don't let a lot of people in. You don't take a ton of risk. Yep. And we saw like, you know, if you watch those breakdowns, there was a couple deep shots against the 49ers available for them in the playoffs last year. And he just didn't take them. Yeah. He wouldn't take them. And if he would have hit one of them, they'd probably win that game. So, yeah. And it's, it's baffling because like the reason he's still, despite this eighth on our list is because he's a very strong arm and he is extremely accurate, but he can make those throws. And I just, I don't get it. So I, he kind of is at the end of my elite guys who are at least elite in the regular season. Yeah. And then nine and 10, we had different guys. You had two different guys than I had, but I feel like these spots are like the two really wide open spots on this list. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like even if you don't agree with the first eight guys, that we listed, like if you don't agree with the order, I feel like those eight guys are gonna be on everyone's list to some degree. Yeah. In you know, various orders, you have to have those eight guys. Mm-hmm. But these next two spots, I think there's probably like seven guys you could have chosen from and maybe not been wrong. So yours were Russell Wilson and Derek Carr. Um yep. So how did you how did you come Carr up with your two? And then Wilson. Oh, Carr, Carr at nine and then Wilson. How did yep. you come up with your two? I I was looking at the quarterbacks that are left. And you know, I'm looking at obviously ability on the field. Uh, you know, what have you done? And you know, again, the intangibles, the leadership, the fourth quarter stuff. And quietly. Derek Carr has played extremely well the last three years, really. Pre-injury, a lot of people forget, he was an MVP. Has not had, you know, much success in the playoffs, which is kind of why he's here. But what rockets him up this list for me is, in terms of guys loving their quarterback, I think that maybe only Stafford rivals him on this list. Like he is top class leader. And like, even to the point where obviously there was a lot of chaos going on with the Raiders last year between some of the guys on the roster and, the guy who was coaching their team. And I can't really say that anyone could have handled that better than he did, uh, especially when you look at his comments about it. Uh, some of the team teammates that were then suddenly no longer his teammates, you know, he was very clear about, you know, yeah, I can't condone any of their actions, but you know, made it clear that they're still human beings and the people that he spent a lot of time with and he's still there for support if they need it. I think that really makes a difference. Yeah, so I, when I was picking my nine and 10, 
I went with my tier four of guys who I call the elite upside guys. The guys who, when everything is right, they're elite. But the problem is that not everything is always right for various reasons. Number nine on my list. And before I say his name, I want to very delicately say that this list is about on-field talent and about how good at playing quarterback you are. I do not believe that my number nine guy, Deshaun Watson, should be allowed on an NFL field ever again. I do not believe he should ever see the outside of a jail cell ever again. But he's very good at football. And that is why the Cleveland Browns made the deals, the trades and the contracts and the things that they did is because when he's available and playing football for you, he is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL and could arguably be higher on this list. It's just that for last season and God knows what's going to happen this season with him, he has not been available and things have not been right with him. Yeah. So did I say that clearly enough? No, I like I I I always hear what you're saying. My counterpoint. I'll quickly do the uh the whole best ability is availability. He's certainly going to get some sort of suspension. We honestly don't have a single clue what it's going to be started out hearing indefinite and at some point a year. And now we're, I've heard six games. We have no idea whatsoever. That kind of uncertainty doesn't help. Uh, Also the man voluntarily didn't play for an entire year as well. That, that hurts a lot. Um, and if I was, if we were only talking about physical ability, he'd easily be top five for sure. But there are other factors. Uh, and he also has an injury history as well. Uh, he had that torn ACL, and I think he actually might have had some injuries earlier on, like pre-college, if I'm but he has not always been able to be on the field, whether that was voluntarily or not. And there's the issue of leadership where he has 100% been compromised his ability to do that. It's all uh, fair. It's yeah. just that like the last time we saw him play a full season, uh, led the league in passing yards while completing 70% of his passes, 33 yep. touchdowns, seven picks, 400 rushing yards and another three touchdowns. Just, you can't get that production everywhere. No, you know, he's no, so good. No notes on his physical ability. It's literally everything else about him. Yeah. So that, that's why he's in my, when things are right, he's very good, but the things are not always right. Uh, my other guy, my 10th guy was Kyler Murray. Yeah. And, you know, just, he's like the epitome of this category. It's just like when things are right, he is incredible. My favorite player to watch elite elite talent the 
passing the running. He was on pace a couple of years ago to be the first player to have 4,000 passing yards and a thousand rushing yards in the same season. It's just like, if he could be that good for more than eight, nine games, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And the playoff game last year was abysmal, but I still believe that when everything is right, that talent wise, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, And I I take that upside over my fifth tier, which is the guys I call the, yes, they're good, but they're very interchangeable squad. Uh, And my, my guys in this last tier, this isn't on my list, but Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kirk Cousins. I think to a large degree, like, yeah, they're all, they're all great quarterbacks. They're very good. Like, is any one of their teams better or worse with any one of those four guys? Yes. If you think that Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott are interchangeable with Derek Carr, then we are watching the same players. And I know that those guys are great at putting up regular season stats, but holy hell, when there's any pressure on them, do they fall apart? I mean, I would have Carr higher than them in that tier, but like, I don't feel like the Raiders would have been appreciably worse last season if Kirk Cousins was their quarterback. I mean, I'm sure he would have gotten them to the same point of playing to get into the playoffs. But their games would have been way more chaotic. It's true. Um, like they they would have blown some incredible weeds. Yes, but I mean, like Derek Carr wasn't that great in the playoffs last year either. No, in Cincinnati. But the the one thing I will say about this is that if I'm looking at who's going to break out of that tier for me, that I would pick Derek Carr because yeah. all of those other guys I mentioned have had elite level weapons. Mm-hmm. The last couple of years, and this is going to be, I mean, Derek Carr has had Darren Waller, but like, you know, Devontae Adams, Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, like having that trio, I think is going to give him a chance to be better statistically this season. Like you, you nailed it with all like the leadership stuff and the, yeah, all of that. But like, I just, I want to see more from him before I take him out of this group because where it's at right now, he 23 touchdowns, 14 picks last year. Man, yeah. not very good in the playoffs last year. He threw for 310, but he threw 54 passes uh, and completed only 54% of them. Meh. You know, I want to see it. Yeah. Let's see it. This is your year. Right. Your year, Derek Carr. Show me. And that's and that's fair. But I, when you talk about interchangeability, let's we can go back to that a little bit. Look at the situation that that team was in last year <laughs> with uh, with regards to interchanging different parts there's a very very small group of quarterbacks that could have navigated that challenge and I would say that Kirk Cousins not one of them Dak Prescott not one of them Kyler Murray definitely not one of them I will tell you that Dak Prescott played for Jerry Jones (laughs) pretty difficult to play for Jerry Jones valid point yeah 
my one quick... thing about Kyler too is just yeah. that like we talked about Lamar Jackson earlier and how like he just terrifies defensive coordinators. I feel like yeah. when Kyler's going, it's similar with his rushing ability and his ability to like make the off script plays. It's just that it's, yeah. it only goes for like half the season. He disappears too much. Yes. Uh, and that a disqualifier for the top 10 for me. Um, he is a guy that I could see jumping into it eventually, but it's, it's a problem for me. Uh, my quick pitch on Russell Wilson is like, we've seen him do it in the playoffs before he's, we've seen him put up big regular seasons. He's down here, honestly, in large part because he's, started seasons where it looks like he's the runaway MVP and then he just kind of slows down. But um we'll do a little bit of projection here. Uh you know playing in Seattle for so long he literally had no protection whatsoever. And the line is definitely better in Denver. They've got very they've got a very deep room of weapons for him to work with. They've got a couple of really good backs that they have as a foundation for a strong running game. And when you're talking about such a small quarterback like him, sight is a bit of an issue. But when you're talking about the play action game, that can really bolster a guy. And I think that he is on a roster that suits him much better than he has been for the last several years. That's fair. I mean, he's another guy I could see jumping up. I just, the reason I didn't have him in my top 10 is I'm so much more meh on Russell Wilson than I feel like the rest of the world is. He's three and five in the playoffs since he lost that Super Bowl to the Patriots. He was not good last season, even when he was healthy. And he played more games last season than people remember. He, he played in 14 games last season and was very mad. And I know that that team had a lot yeah. of issues. It's just like, eh, I'm like, eh. that's why I'm like, he's in the interchangeable all-stars to me right now is like, cause could Kirk cousins have had that season there? Could Derek Carr have had that season there? Yeah, probably. I don't even pay attention to what he did after he came back from that finger injury. I don't believe that he should have been playing at that point. But even before that, he wasn't great. No, no, he was he was bad. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how they do this year with a new offense, and yeah. maybe the change of scenery gets him back to being like that elite level quarterback. But yeah, I um, I don't think he wanted to be there either. So we don't have a ton of time to break these guys down, but like, yeah, just give me a couple of names that you think we could see on this top ten list by the end of the season. I mentioned Kyler. Uh, he's got all the talent you could possibly want in a quarterback. Um, his size certainly has been an issue at times, but when you talk about his speed and his arm talent and just general ability to make plays out of nothing, there's a certain baseline there. And if he can develop into playing quarterback better than relying on backyard football if you know things don't go 
according to plan initially on a play, I think you could see his play stabilize a lot more and he could easily jump in to eight, nine, 10 spot, but it's, it's just been that inconsistency and more importantly in games that matter, just not having it that really has knocked him down, but he's so young that there's so much time for him to develop in those areas. Yeah. I just worry that his problem is more that he wears out over the course of a season from everything he does. And that maybe that's not as fixable. Maybe, but also maybe the, the answer to that is like cliff, you got to stop wearing him out. Maybe a better coaching system would utilize him better so that he's not gassed by week 10. Yes. So, so the boring answer to this question is, Oh yeah. It's like one of the 11 through 15 guys. It's Derek Carr with his new weapons. It's, you know, Russell Wilson in Denver. Can I give you the fun answer to this question? I'm really curious if this is going to be my dark horse one. Cause I didn't think anyone else was going to, pull this one out but my i mean so my my list i wrote down three guys uh my first guy is mac jones he was the best rookie last year we're waiting for the second year jump my second guy is trey lance i i own all of the trey lance stock uh if you know i could go on about trey lance forever and i will in the nfc west preview my dark horse for who could be the in the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL at the end of this season, the fun answers to this question is the W eater himself. Jameis motherfucker. Jameis Winston, baby. I I knew that we were going to have the same person. So, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's trimmed down now that he hasn't eaten so many W's. Well, before he got hurt last season, Mm -hmm. he was on pace to have a 34 touchdown and seven interception season. While throwing to Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris and Adam Troutman. He's coming back in his second year of the offense. He's healthy. Now he's recovered from the injury. I've seen the insane workouts that he does these crazy wobbly board things. And he's potentially going to be throwing to Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry. And most importantly of all, he could potentially have Michael Thomas back. Yep. Who people forget is one of the best receivers in the league when healthy. Like now you're more comfortable in the offense. You are already on pace to have a very good season last year. And now you have like legit weapons. You're not throwing to Marquez Callaway and Deontay Harris anymore. You're throwing to some of the best guys like rookie, who is my favorite rookie wide receiver in the class and Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL when he's healthy and Jarvis Landry, who's a very good possession receiver in his own right. Kamara might be suspended for a little bit to start the season, but he'll be back and he'll be healthy, uh, you know, after four to six weeks, maybe. I, I think that there's like an outside shot that Jameis could be a top 10 quarterback at the end of the season. And I think the saints are going to be good this year. He, he was a number one pick for a reason. He has legitimate talent. The fact that he was on pace for 31 and seven shows you that he has made 
actual legitimate progress in the number one area that he was struggling with, which was turnovers. Yeah, I've said, you know, sometimes the turnovers don't matter. When you're throwing 30 interceptions, at that point, it matters. There's a line <laughs> that you cross where it starts mattering. But yes. yeah, like he had it under control last season. Yeah. He was playing very well, very efficient, like not throwing for a ton of yards, but like you look at who he was throwing to and that's acceptable. And he was switching yeah. out with Taysom Hill. Yeah. I think he could have full control of this offense this season and have good weapons to throw to. Yeah. And, you know, I, I look at the situation you've, you know, you, you talked about the weapons and, you know, the, the offensive line should still be pretty strong, but I also look at like, yeah, like Sean, Sean Payton's gone, but the majority of the coaching staff is still there. And that kind of stability for a player who is still trying to develop themselves as a quarterback is huge. And I think that having that stability will go a long way for him. Yeah. I'm glad he's back in black and gold. I'm excited for him to eat all these W's this season. Yeah. And break into this top 10 so we can come back to this podcast and say, I told you so. But uh, as always, Foul Dog can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. We have yet another week of uh, a bunch of new subscribers through an advertisement that we're running. So thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate the support. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody that listens to this podcast, we love you guys. If you could go and give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. It goes a long way to helping us. And we really appreciate it. If you want to share your feedback about our top 10 quarterback list, if you want to jump on the Jameis Winston bandwagon with us this season, you can hit us up on Twitter at fouled out sports. And you can find Matt on Twitter at matador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at fouled out podcast. Going to have a couple from this episode. So, and most importantly, Take to Twitter, take your thoughts on our list here and go tell Jose Calderon exactly what you think and then tell him to come on the podcast or to unretire because that's what I will be doing. That's all that Matt does nowadays. <laughs> uh, we'll be back next week, same time with our breakdown of the NFC and AFC North divisions. The Lions action? Lions? Rawr, rawr. Uh, <laughs> all right, my friend. I will see you later. Later. All right. Bye, guys. Bye, Mom. Bye.